Well, good morning, LifePoint. It's so great to, to be with you today and um, just so thankful for these, these families. And um, I look at, at each of them and they each hold a special place. I know in, in my family's life, um, just uh, the trips to Crawfords and the Tedfords, I mean, known them for, for, for many years, um, have known the kids um, for a uh, since since they were born, so it's um it was very special to to see them up here today. Um, have the privilege of of doing life in our life group with um, the Crawford Spencers, our our life group leader, and Jess, our life group leaders, and then to have the Tedfords there with us is is a great thing. Um, my name is Corey, and I get to get to serve as a teaching pastor here at our, our Plain City campus. And as Ben said, thanks so much for just directing your attention to that screen all morning. Kind of reminds me of the whole camera one, camera two, right? So just direct your attention to camera one all morning. And if I turn this way to point to something, just laugh at me. It, it totally, totally works today. But um, if you're new to LifePoint, we're so grateful to have you with us. Uh, thanks for spending part of your Sunday with us. I see some old friends out there. Love you guys. So good to see you. Uh, we are one church spread over five campuses where we seek to draw life from God, point others to him. And so if you're new today, I want to invite you to do one thing. Go ahead and grab your phone and in your web browser, you can type in lpguest.com. That's lpguest.com. Or you can take your phone and scan that QR code on the back of the chair in front of you. That's going to take you to some helpful resources for today. It's going to take you to message notes for, for this morning. But it will also take you to a, a digital guest card. And again, if you're new, uh, I invite you to fill that out. It takes less than 60 seconds to fill out. At the bottom of that digital guest card are five ministries we are already partnered with. You can pick the one that means the most to you. And we'll make an additional $5 donation in your honor to that ministry. That way you can do something good and kind for being with us today. Well, we're in the, the second week of our series called The Ascent. And in this series, we are looking at five times where God calls people to, to ascend or to climb, to climb a mountain for the purpose of provision in their lives. And we're seeing in these high altitude moments that God moves in the people instead of moving the mountain in their lives. That God didn't as much change the circumstances in these people's lives as he changed the people for the circumstances. And these mountaintop moments actually teach us that God provided for his people in the past and God still provides for his people in the present today. And our big idea that we're talking about each and every week is this, that God's purpose for you is established in his provision for you. That God's purpose for you is established in his provision for you. And last week as we began, we, we stopped on Mount Moriah and looked at the account of Abraham and Isaac. And today, we're stopping on the mountain of Sinai. And so if you've got your Bibles or your Bible apps, I want to invite you to go ahead and find Exodus chapter 20 with me today. Exodus chapter 20. As you're turning there, um, I'm going to make a statement that I think is pretty safe to say, all right? So I hope I'm safe in saying this, right? Here's the statement. Most of us, if not all of us, but most of us do not like being told what to do. I think that's a safe statement, right? Most of us don't like being told what to do. From when we were little kids, right, these kids came up on stage and were like, don't hold me up here. Like, I don't want to do what you want me to do, right? To, to teenagers, if, if you're 
Parents of a teenager, they don't want to do what you tell them to do. Teenagers, you don't even want to do what your parents tell you to do. So, like, we're, we're on the same page. We know what you're doing, right? Young adulthood, even into adulthood, we don't like people telling us what to do. Even more so, we don't like people telling us what to do when they don't know who we are, when they don't know us, when they don't have a relationship with us, right? When there's no history or connection or relationship it's really hard to do what someone asks you to do. And that's why we say it like this. The more positive relational collateral someone has in our lives, the closer we are with them, the more we allow them to speak into our lives. And I share all that because I think it's important for us today as we get started because so many people view God as if he's just sitting up in heaven, right, telling us what to do, giving us a bunch of rules, ruining all of our fun, that God's just being a prude and he's stuffy and he's, he's stingy. But my hope here is this, by the, by the end of today, that not only we, we would see God himself in a different light, but that we would see his instructions, his commandments, his laws, and his word in a different light. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for us before we begin, and, and then we'll, we'll get off and, and running, okay? So let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now, and I'm, I just ask that you would be with us in this service, that your Holy Spirit would, would just move and have its way in our lives, in our hearts, and Lord, that you would take your word today, and you would allow it to, to intersect with our lives right where we're at. Lord, I pray that people would not see me. I pray that they would see you in all of my faults and failures and being insufficient at doing a good job today, Lord, that somehow you would take everything we talk about and use it in the lives of, of, of people today for life transformation, to look more like Jesus, to be, to be closer to you, God. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All right. Now, I know I asked you to open up to Exodus chapter 20, but I'm going to jump back to Exodus chapter 19 for a moment. Exodus chapter 19 in verses 1 and, and 2, we read this. It says, The people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, and they came into the wilderness of Sinai, and there Israel encamped before the mountain. Right? The mountain is Mount Sinai. Now, Mount Sinai in the Bible is also called Mount Horeb at times, but Mount Sinai is the place where Moses saw God at the burning bush. Right? It's where God spoke to Moses. It's where God sent Moses on his mission to go rescue Israel from Egypt. And it's here in chapter 19, heading into chapter 20, like we just read, right? Israel's been freed from the land of Egypt. They've gone through the, the parting of the Red Sea. They are now in the wilderness, and they find themselves at the very foot of the mountain where God initially spoke to Moses through the burning bush. Israel would remain here and camped around the foot of the mountain for the next 11 months. And it's here God was about to do something amazing. God was about to come down from heaven to the top of this mountain where he would speak. And he would speak and he would give his word. He would give his law. He would give his commandments. And in Exodus chapter 19, if we were to read through Exodus chapter 19 today, we get this amazing description of God descending upon the mountaintop. Got a picture for, here, for you we're going to put up here, right? Exodus chapter 19 says, God comes down and there's thunder and there's lightning. 
But there's a, a thick cloud that smoke encircled the entire mountain. That there were loud trumpet blasts from heaven that just got louder and louder and louder. That God descended on the mountain in fire. And that the whole mountain trembled and that the earth around it shook. Now we read that a lot of times in our Bibles or I say it to you and we just quickly dismiss it, right? But for a moment, picture that. Picture being there. Picture being encamped around the mountain and all of this happening. It was an awesome display of power. And at the same time, it would have been absolutely terrifying. Well, in verse 20 in Exodus chapter 19, it says this. It says, the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, right? And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Now, I had to stop here for a moment when I was reading because I don't know about you, but with thunder, lightning, mountain, smoke, the ground, like you're standing in the midst of an earth shake or earthquake, and, and, and Moses, right, is called up in the midst, like into all of that. Could you imagine? If I'm Moses, I'm like, uh not me. You better go find somebody else to come up there, or you better, like, send a messenger down, do something. I don't want to go up into all that. But the Lord calls Moses, and Moses exhibits amazing bravery and courage. He goes up, and he meets with God. And he, has, he gets to talk with God. And then God says, hey, I want you to go back down. And I want you to go get Aaron and then bring Aaron back up with you. So now imagine this. All this is happening. Moses goes up. Moses comes down. He goes to get Aaron. Can you imagine if you're Aaron now, right? Moses is like, hey, Aaron, I need you to come up with me. I would have been like, there's got to be another A.A. Ron that you are talking about around here, okay? Right? Do I really have to go do that? Right? But Aaron has courage also. And he goes back up with Moses. And it's here on the top of Mount Sinai where God speaks and he gives his words and we get the Ten Commandments. Now, many of us are at least somewhat familiar of the Ten Commandments, right? We've got this picture of probably some stone tablets in our, in our head and, and, or, or some of us know them by, by heart. But I just want to take a few moments and, and look at them really quick today. Exodus chapter 20, this is where we had you open up your Bibles to verse 1. It says, and God spoke. Right? That means Moses hears God's voice. It means Aaron hears God's audible voice. A lot of scholars believe that all the people at the bottom of the mountain heard God's audible voice. And God says, verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, not from anything in heaven, not from anything on earth. He says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You're supposed to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You're to honor your father and mother that you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet anything that is your neighbor's. God gives the Ten Commandments here. And now listen, I think if we were to ask most people, if we were to do one of those things where we take a camera and we take a microphone and we head down on the street and start asking people, hey, tell me what you think about the Ten Commandments. I believe we would hear a lot of things like God's rules, to-do list, behavior checklist, performance checklist. And really what I think a lot of those descriptions would be wrapped up in is our performance-based thinking and our performance-based mindset. Because when you think about it, we grow up 
in a world and a society where performance is, is key for us, right? Childhood, listen to mom and dad, do what they say. You know, you get rewarded, don't, you're in trouble. We go to school, do what the school says, get good grades, right? There's a certain outcome. It's performance-based. The workplace is the same way. Society is the same way. Perform well and succeed, right? Be accepted if you perform well, right? And it's not that performing or doing well is a bad thing. Not saying that at all. But I think, I'm just saying that's kind of what we grow up in in our world a lot of times. And I think that's what leads to a lot of people getting to something like the Ten Commandments and saying, you know what, they're just rules to please God. They're just a a check-off, to-do list type of thing to make God happy. That, hey, if you break God's law, well, then you're going to be in trouble. He's going to break you. This is, hey, follow these ten things. This is how to be religious. This is how to keep God's approval in your life. This is how to have a good performance review, an annual performance review with God. Keep these things. And many will take this view of the Ten Commandments, and then they will take it and apply it to the rest of God's word, that it's just a bunch of to-do things to follow, to check off. And if we're not careful, there can be this tendency to either Look at God's word as if God is this stranger like we talked about. This far off God. This big boss man who doesn't really know us, but he's just sitting up there in heaven telling us what to do, pointing his finger at us, bossing us around, yelling at us. Or we look at God's word and go, okay, it's here, well, just Here's what's the checklist? What do I have to do? What do I what do I have to do? How do I have to be a good performer to earn acceptance, to earn praise, to earn belonging? And uh, you know what? Well, if I and if I don't perform well, well then all the bad things are going to happen. But when we take a look closer look at the 10 commandments, and this is really the heart of what we're talking about today, here's what we're going to really see is that God's commandments to us embody describe and are rooted in a relationship. That God's commandments to us, they, they embody, describe, and are rooted in a relationship. That they're not actually performance-based, but they're relationship-based. I don't know if you've ever taken a closer look at the Ten Commandments. Just take a few seconds to do that right now. But Commandments 1 through 4, they teach us about our relationship with God. Listen to them again, right? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not take the, the Lord's name in, in vain. And you shall remember the Sabbath day and keep it. All those things deal with our relationship to God. Commandments 5 through 10 teach us about our relationships with other people around us. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. Don't bear false witness. You shall not covet. Right? The Ten Commandments. When you look at them, they are relationship-based. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Now, are these good things to follow in our lives? Absolutely. Don't leave today. Don't email me tomorrow and be like, Corey says we don't have to follow anything. We shouldn't listen to God's word at all, right? No, they're good things to follow in our lives, but they're not performance-based. That's the point. They are relationship-based. Furthermore, the commandments God gave on, on Mount Sinai are not just based in relationships like we just looked at, but they are based on a relationship. They're not just based in relationships, they are based on a relationship. What do we mean by that? Well, long before God gives his rules on Mount Sinai, he establishes 
a relationship with his people. Long before God gives these Ten Commandments and establishes the, the rules, right, used by air quotes here, right, he establishes a relationship. Think about it. Like everything God has been doing up until this point into Exodus chapter 20, God establishes a relationship with Abraham. God promises a new nation, a new people group through Abraham. God works through multiplying that nation and growing that nation. God works through Joseph to bless that nation and care for that nation and provide for that nation. God hears people's cry, the, the Israelites cry when they are enslaved in Egypt. He raises up Moses. He frees, God frees the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. He parts the Red Sea in front of them. He, they go through Passover together. All of that was relational. God was building and establishing a, a, a relationship. And what's so cool is Moses got a glimpse of this early on, way back when, when Moses was at that burning bush and God first talked to him at Mount Sinai. God says this in Exodus 3.12. He says, I will be with you, relational. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship relational. You will worship God at this very mountain. We can say it like this, with God, relationships comes before rules. With God, the relationships comes before the rules. That God did not provide the Ten Commandments as a way to establish or to earn or to keep a relationship with him. That long before God gives the law, long before he gives the rules or the commandments, he establishes a relationship that shows he wants to be a savior. That he wants to be a rescuer. That he wants to be a deliverer for his people. So when God gives the, the Ten Commandments, they serve as proof of a relationship that he has already established with the people. That, that the people are encamped all around Mount Sinai and God has already established mountains and mountains of relational collateral with these people. So he has earned the right to say to them, hey, I'm asking you to trust me as your God. That God says, you're not here to get in with me. You're here because you are already in with me. That you're not here to, to find out if you can have a relationship. You're here to know that I, God, want a relationship with you. That God has established a relationship with the people long before they ever knew that any of the rules even existed. And so here in Exodus chapter 19 and 20, God comes down to earth from heaven. And he builds a relationship with his people. And he gives his word. He speaks his word. And they get recorded on these stone tablets that the Israelites would carry around. Here's where this got me thinking. Fast forward thousands of years to the New Testament. And we get to John 1 and verse 1. And it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. And we drop down to verse 14, and it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son, that's Jesus, full of grace and full of truth. In the New Testament, God comes down to earth again. And this time, instead of thunder and lightning and smoke and fire, he comes down in human flesh. He comes down 
as Jesus. He comes down as the living word. And while on earth, this was so neat, while on earth, Jesus in Matthew 22 gets asked, hey, what's the greatest commandment in the law? It's almost like the the Ten Commandments are about to happen again. And Jesus says this. He says in Matthew 22, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Christian just kind of talked about that a little bit. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. Jesus sums up the Ten Commandments here. Remember? Commandments 1 through 4 relationship our relationship with God what does Jesus say you shall love the Lord your God our relationship with him with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind commandments 5 through 10 right where our relationship with others around us what does Jesus say love your neighbor as yourself and Jesus while he's on earth what does he do gives sight to the blind, allows the lame to walk, raises the dead, pours into a motley crew of 12 men, reaches out to the sinners, engages with the outcasts, gives his life a ransom for all to set the captives free. Who does that? What kind of person does that? What kind of God does that? Is it a God who wants to establish a a bunch of rules so we can earn the relationship? Absolutely not. It's a God who wants a relationship, who establishes a relationship, who goes first. He loved us first. And it's a God who, in establishing that relationship first, right, says, hey, come get to know me and then follow me. Come get to know me. Let's have a relationship and trust me. So I want to get practical in our last few minutes together. Here's what I th- this means. Does it mean we can just do whatever we want? Am I standing up here saying we don't need to worry about God's commandments, God's law, all that kind of Don't, no, not at all. God is so serious about his, his commandments to us. He's so serious about his, his words to us. And you're like, well, then what's the point of the Ten Commandments? Why, why are we even looking at it? Well, here's the point of God's law in our lives. It's God's way of showing us our sins. Right? Anyone ever put something above God? Anyone ever misuse God's name? Anyone ever disobey their, their parents? Lusted after something or someone? Taken something that doesn't belong to them? Have you ever lied? All of us have. Right? If you just said, I haven't, no, not me, well, then you just broke one of the Ten Commandments right now. Like, right? You're, you're guilty right now. So congratulations, you're in with the rest of us. None of us can keep the law perfectly. It shows us that all have sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standards. It shows us that our self-righteousness just won't cut it. But not only is the law there designed to show us of our sins, check this out, it's designed to lead us to crying out to God for his mercy, to crying out to God for his grace, to point us to our need for for a deliverer, to reveal to us that we need a savior. You say, well, where do you get all that from? Galatians 3.24. Galatians 3.24 says this, therefore the law has become our tutor, watch this, to lead us to 
Christ so that we may be justified by faith. The law shows us that we are incapable of being good enough. And you know what? Let's just say for the sake of the argument today, you or I could keep the law. Let's say we could keep everything God said perfectly. Let's just imagine that today. You know where that would get you? The best place that that would get you would be external change. The best place that could get you is behavior modifications. The best place that would get you would be outward compliance. But that's not what we ultimately need. You see, what we see is this. Following the rules can only bring behavior modification. But the gospel, the gospel brings heart transformation. Right? Following the rules in our lives can only bring behavior modification. But the gospel is what brings heart transformation. Following the rules, man, that's just external compliance in our, our lives. And that's not that we should never follow rules or anything like that, but we, we, need, we need Jesus Christ to change us from the inside out, to birth in us true internal change. <clears throat> and you know what? As you read, the, as you read the God's word, as you read the Bible, God goes to great lengths to make it clear that commandments are not conditions to have a relationship with him, that they're just the opposite. That instead of conditions for the relationship, they're actually confirmations that he wants a relationship with you and with I. And here's why I think this is so important for us. I want to speak to everybody in the room today, right? Because I'm not assuming everyone in this room is a Christian. We're assuming everyone is following Jesus. So this is for Christians and, and non-Christians today. Many times, right, we carry this thought process around that somehow we have to perform for God. That we have to perform for God, that we have to impress God, that we have to win God's approval, that we have to gain God's acceptance in order to be loved. And when we serve him well and when we check all the boxes off in our lives, we a lot of times begin to think that God is up in heaven just going, what a great job you are doing. And since you're doing a, such a great job, I'm going to take care of you because of your performance better than I take care of anyone else. Right? That is not how it works. But we do that a lot of times, right? We do, well, hey man, if I want the job, if I want, if I want to beat this diagnosis, if I want those good grades, if I want to be, to be popular, right? How many of us have sat in school, God, if you just give me an A on this test that I did not study for, I don't even know what class I'm in right now, but Lord, if you just give me an A, I promise I will behave for the rest of my life, right? It's ingrained in us in so many different ways. Keep the rules so that we earn the relationship. Going down that road only leads to, to legalism and moralism and religion. That's putting the rules before the relationship. And not only does God not work that way, but if you're going to try to do that, you are not going to succeed. You are going to wear yourself out and you're going to ultimately fail. I think back to, to one of my friends and what he shared with me once before. He said, you know, I said, you know what, Corey, what I'm realizing every time I mess up, Every time I sin, every time I disobey obey God, you know what I do after that? I don't pray for a few days then, and I don't open up my Bible for, for a few days. I kind of I pull back from God because I don't think he wants to have anything to do with me, right? Because, like, I, I screwed up. 
And so he said, so, man, I, I try to be good for a few days after that. Right after I've messed up, I try to be good. And I try to feel like maybe I should punish myself enough. Or, or maybe I can earn something with God or I can perform good enough. And then, then when I feel like I, I've kind of gotten back on this performance track, well, then I'll open up my Bible again. And then I'll pray again. And then I'll show up to church again. And then I'll go to my life group again. Right? You ever find yourself there? I know I have. Right? Just being honest, I've been there. When that takes place, man, that's just all that worldly stuff we've learned. That's just performance-based stuff in our lives. That's just rules before relationship. That's just commandment before commitment. That's not what God's looking for. God wants that relationship first. And you say, well, great. I, I want to follow God. How, how do I start to follow God? Well, how do I, if I've got the relationship piece down, then how do I begin to do what God says? How do I actually begin to follow then? Well, I think the key to carrying out what God says, the key to, to obedience, the key to following him, to do what God asks, is really one thing. I think it boils down to intimacy. I think it boils down to intimacy. I think it boils down to intimacy with God leads to obedience to God. That intimacy with God leads to obedience with, with God, right? That, that intimacy, you can't have intimacy unless you have a relationship. And the only way we can have intimacy with God is if we got that relationship with God going, that closeness with God through a relationship with God eventually leads to obedience to God. Now listen, I, I know we're sitting here today and none of this is mind-blowing theological stuff, I'm hoping it's practical. I'm hoping it's right down the middle of the plate. I'm hoping it's right where some of us need to, to be reminded of some things today. And so as we wrap up here in just a few minutes, let me, let me just ask a few questions of each of us, of you and of me today. Are you rules first or relationship first? Is there anything you're doing to earn favor with God in your life? Is there anything you're doing saying, I'm seeking this in order to be good enough in God's eyes? Are you performance-based or relationship-based? So I was thinking about this last night. I made this, this kind of last-minute note. I was thinking about all this relationship and rules stuff. And it reminded me of Peter with Jesus. Peter screws up big time. He denies Jesus three times. And if you go and look, one of those times when he denies Jesus, it says Peter and Jesus's eyes actually meet in the midst of Peter denying Jesus. Can you imagine that? My goodness, right? My goodness. And Jesus comes back and he, he goes to Peter. What does Jesus do three times? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He started with the relationship first. Listen, I'm reminded of this. We say it often. There is nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. And so with that being said today, I also want to remind us that relationships are a two-way street. So how is your relationship with God today? Is it a two-way street? Are you talking with God, right? That's just what we call prayer. Is God talking to you? We hear God talking to us. Why? How? By opening up his very word to us. 
So how's your relationship with God? How's your relationship with God as you go to reach other people, right? Here's something I've been guilty of over and over again in trying to reach people and trying to just talk to somebody about Jesus or share the gospel with them, right? How many times have we gone to behavior modification first rather than heart transformation first? How many times have we tried to get people, I need you to just, you need to stop this and stop this and don't do this if you would just be done with that and done with that, right? When we, we go to that behavior modification first rather than, can I just tell you about Jesus, how much he loves you, what he's done, and we let Jesus change their heart, change them from the inside out. We just had child dedication up here. You ask every single one of those parents what they would want. They would want those kids to grow up with an intimate relationship with Jesus more than anything else. Because you want to know why? And I, I pray, this is my number one prayer for my kids, my two boys, is that they would love Jesus more than anything Right, that relationship piece. Why? Because if they love Jesus more than anything else, they will follow him and be obedient to him and do what he asks and do what he says more than anything else, not based out of a performance list, but based out of what Christ has done for them, based out of that relationship for how much he, he loves them. So oftentimes in our house, we were like, Jesus, we love you. Help us to love you more. That's my prayer for all of us today. Whether it's one of those little kids that were up here on stage or you're 97 years old today, that we would love Jesus with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, remembering that the relationship piece, the intimacy with God, our relationship with him, if that's taken care of, the obedience thing will come. Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow our heads and close today, God, I pray that we would know, we would know how important your word is, how important your instructions to us are. Lord, I pray that we would stand on your word, that we would hold it firmly in our hands and not budge from it. That is, that is, that is what we want to do. So today is not about skirting any of that, Lord. But I pray today we would see just how important the relationship with you is. Lord, that we wouldn't be going through the motions. God, that we wouldn't be trying to perform for you or earn our way to you. God, I, I, I pray today that we really examine our lives and it wouldn't be a church thing or would it be a, a giving thing or Lord, it would be a how's my relationship with Jesus thing. And if there's some spot that we need to correct ourselves or, or move, Lord, move us today. Help us to remember how much you love us and how much you care for us. And God, today I, I do can't close without thinking there's somebody out there or there's somebody's out there that is sitting here today that has been trying to to be good enough and to to hope the good outweighs the bad by the end of their life that they're trying to earn away thinking that the better I act then maybe more God will will love me if that's you today can I just be honest in this moment 
with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you are not going to get there on your own efforts. God clearly tells us it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that it is not of your works. So if that's you today, I want to invite you in to stop trying and to start trusting, to trusting in Jesus. Stop trying to change your behavior and let Jesus change your heart. And if that's you, you could do that right now. You could ask Jesus to come into your life, to make you new, to change you. And the way you do that is kind of like we talked about just a moment ago. You simply talk to God through prayer. Right now where you're seated, you could just say, Jesus, today, today's it. I'm done trying. I'm done striving. I'm done efforting. Jesus, I need you to come into my life and I, I just need you to change me. Thank you for coming to this earth. Thank you for dying for my sins. I admit I'm a sinner today and I believe that you rose from the grave, what, that you went first in establishing a relationship with me. And so today, Jesus, I wanna have a relationship with you. I'm inviting you into my life. If you communicate that to God the best way you can today, man, he will come into your life you can begin to take steps as a new creation for him, knowing that your sins are forgiven, that you have a right relationship with God, and it's no longer about your works. It's about the finished works of what Jesus had done. So God, as we close this morning, we're going to stand in a moment and sing. And I pray that we, we sing and close our time out together our relationship with you in clear focus today. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Help us to love you more. It's in your name we pray.